there are some discussions that are just hard to have, aren't there? And, and we're going to have one tonight. Uh, I've done probably the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. I've invited a guy who doesn't believe like I do to come in and ask me what probably will be the hardest questions I could ever address. He's probably going to ask me questions that I wouldn't even choose to preach on. And if I preached on them, I would walk up here with a whole bunch of notes and be ready to go. Uh, I just figured once I got to know him along the way that he was a guy that was going to be really interested in hearing my answers. And I felt like I was a guy that was going to really be interested in hearing his answers. And that through the two of us, we would be able to dialogue together. Um, The Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us that if I can speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I am nothing. And if we are going to, as a church, be able to reach out to those people that don't believe like us, because that would be eventually what we would want to do as Christians, would be to reach out to people and help them to find Jesus, then we need to be able to dialogue with them. Hemet has come as the friendly atheist, and he is going to come and share with us. We're going to dialogue back and forth. He's going to ask me questions. I'm going to ask him questions. We're going to talk. The goal of this evening is not for me to hammer him or him to hammer me. It's for us to have a discussion. So I got a little intro video to bring him up. I'll let you uh, see that. We'll bring him up, and you can welcome him together. Let's roll the video. Today at Parkview, we welcome native Chicagoan Hemant Mehta. Hemant has been known recently around Chicago as the eBay atheist since auctioning off a chance to save his soul on the popular Internet auction website eBay. Hemant Mehta was born in Schaumburg, Illinois in 1983. He moved to Tennessee and then back to Orland Park at the age of 14. He's a graduate of Carl Sandburg High School and the University of Illinois at Chicago, where he was one of the co-founders of the group SWORD, Students Without Religious Dogma. Now a graduate student at the University of DePaul, Hemant is studying to become a high school math teacher. Currently, he's the chair on the board of directors for the SSA, the Secular Student Alliance, which has 55 chapters across the United States. He is also a board member of the Secular Coalition of America, a group that fights for the rights of atheists in Washington, D.C. In early 2006, when Hemant had the idea to auction off a chance to save his soul on eBay, he promised to attend an hour of church services for each $10 of the final winning bid. After a flurry of bidding and national news coverage, former Vineyard pastor and founder of the Off the Map website, Jim Henderson, won the auction for $504, which Hemant donated to the SSA. Instead of attending 50 hours worth of services, Henderson asked Hemant to attend 10 to 15 Chicago area churches, including Parkview, and write about his experiences for Henderson's website. Since his church visits, Hemant has made appearances on the Fox News Channel with John Gibson, Fox 32 Chicago, CBS 2 Chicago, radio station WLSAM, and has been written up in the Wall Street Journal, the Daily Southtown, the Chicago Sun-Times, and many other national publications. He also has his own website, FriendlyAtheist.com. Today, Hemant is here for an informal and friendly discussion about atheism, Christianity, and other topics with Pastor Tim Harlow. Parkview, please give a warm welcome to Hemant Mehta. All right, first Thanks. question that we need to... You're welcome. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You're welcome. This is a nervous-wracking dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, me too. Um, 
I do it every week. It's fun. <laughs> they're, they're pretty nice. Okay. Um, first question I think we need to get out of the way is Cubs or Sox? <laughs> I'm an atheist. Take a wild guess. Ah, <laughs> Cub fan. All right, good. <laughs> so you're already winning some people over. Oh, good. Is that right? Really a Cub <laughs> yeah, fan? Yeah, Cub fan. <laughs> but not this. That season. explains so many things, doesn't it? <laughs> um, listen, uh, side note, okay. Uh, my daughter's going to come out and sing at the end of this whole thing. Um, she gets to sing with some of her friends. If you're a Wrigley fan, uh, June 27th, week from Tuesday, she's doing the national anthem with some of her friends. So who says I don't love the Cubs? I let my daughter <laughs> sing at Wrigley Field. Just write that down. Watch it that night. All right. Tell us how you got to this point. Tell us about the whole eBay thing sure. and all that good stuff. Um, so the eBay thing, well, I've been an atheist. Like the great video, by the way. Mm. That was cool. Um, it said that I became an atheist when I was 14. And so earlier this year, it was late at night, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm bored. What can I do? Um, and so I had had this idea that, you know, I was raised in a family that was not Christian. And I've, many of my friends have been Christian, but I've never really been to church. So I figured, okay, well, what would it take to get me to church? Because I don't just want to go for the sake of going. I want to be able to write about it. I want to be able to dialogue with people, sure. ask the people questions, see what the answers are. Um, and just going there, I mean, how do you get people to read something like that on the web, you know? Um, just by itself, I didn't think that would do it. And, you know, the idea of eBay came to my head, you know, because I used that. But, you know, okay, I want to write this thing. How do you put that on eBay? Yeah. So I figured, okay, well, why don't I have people bid on which church I go to, you know? And I just, I almost put down for every $1 you bid, I'll go to your church for a day. That now yeah. would have been, that'd that been, would not have been good. That would have been a rough time. <laughs> yeah, so I did $10 and just said, okay, for every $10, I'll go to your church for a day. Um, and the winning bid was $504. Yeah. And it was from Jim Henderson. And, and you know I bid on you. I think you were second place with 500. <laughs> I, I, no kidding. You may not have known this, but I found out about it. My first, my first bid was $1,000. What? And I thought, that's exactly right. I thought, $1,000, I bet I could win it with $1,000. And then I got second thoughts, and I thought, the congregation's going to think I'm stupid if I pay $1,000 for this guy. So I bet, put it down to 500 and the winning bid was 504 And the winning bid was 504 so. Which is good, because it kind of took it off my plate. I, I mean, you know... <laughs> Let this other guy deal with it. That was just <laughs> right. That was fine. Well, and the way the other guy dealt with it was to say, okay, so you know what? I live in Seattle. I don't really want you to go to just one church because what I do, and this is Jim talking, what I do on my website off the map is we kind of have secret shoppers for churches. Yeah. We send, we'll, we'll pay people to go to church, yeah. check it out, yeah. and let us know, you know, how is the singing? How is the band? How is the sermon? All that stuff. Mm. And so he's like, how about I just hire you temporarily, you know, work and earn the $504, and uh, instead of going to 50 churches or something, yeah. go to 10 or 15 and write for my blog, and we'll call it even. And that's what ended up happening. I ended up going to nine churches, this one included. Mm -hmm. I did two additional write-ups on some stuff, um, and now that obligation is over. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's how this whole thing got started. And yeah, uh, when the eBay auction was up, like you saw, the media people got a hold of it. Sure. And, it was a clever idea. I mean, you know, really. I didn't think that, but okay. <laughs> it, re it really was. Um, but, but yeah, so it, people got a hold of it. The whole sold it his starts. soul on eBay thing, you know, I, I mean, which, that markets well. Which was interesting because that is not what I did. Well. <laughs> I didn't sell my soul. I just said, I'll go to your church. You don't think you have a soul, do you? No. So, I mean, how <laughs> so, can you sell it? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think the Wall Street Journal said something like, you know, 
using it as a metaphor, you know, puts his soul on the chopping sure, block. Sure. And then the South Town said soul for salvation or yeah. auction for salvation. And somehow that morphed into, well, what soul on the chopping block? Okay, selling a soul. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, so, tell me what you found. I mean, you there, know, yeah, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that stuff. Here's the good. I mean, the good is the community is amazing. And I knew that. I knew that going into it, mm. but just how strong it is. Just anywhere I walked into, they had no idea who I was. But still, hey, we're great. It's great to see you here. Great to have you. Mm. Can we get you anything? Everything yeah. like that. So nice. Um, I wasn't... I didn't know about the singing stuff beforehand, and I saw that for the first time during this experience. Um, the bands, the, the singing. I thought some of the speakers uh, were really engaging. I found myself just sitting there like, wow, I disagree with you, but you're really good. Well, yeah, um, that's that was okay. interesting. I, I feel the same way about secular people. <laughs> and right. so, yeah, so, you know, it's really engaging to listen to, um, so I really like that. And some of the bad things is, you know, when I went to some of the places, just ritual after ritual after ritual. And I, I didn't even, I didn't know why we were doing certain things, but I wasn't sure if the people in, that were there, the actual congregation, knew why they were doing all those things. Good, good. And, yeah, that was just some of the things. Note to self, sure. okay. Now, please, if, you know, if you ever see us doing something that we don't explain very well or that you're not sure, you know, let us know. Because even we, in a very non-traditional setting, have the ability to do that from time to time just went from there and so uh yeah <laughs> all right what do you want to know what do i want to know oh boy um so like the question was brought up explain the suffering mm. to me mm. why why do people suffer when god is really all i'm doing is avoiding the question <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll see if it works but yeah how do you explain if god is good why is all the suffering going on the first explanation is god didn't cause the suffering i mean in in our in our paradigm, the way we see this is that God set everything up to be perfect. Adam and Eve didn't suffer. There was no suffering in the beginning. It wasn't until sin came into the world that that was when sin and death and punishment and all those different things entered into our world. That's when suffering entered. So, But God doesn't cause it then? God set up a, a world so that it would be possible for there to be suffering. I don't believe that God ordained it. I believe that what happened was when we got separated from God, God allowed the world to have evil in it and suffering in it. Okay? Okay. Um, let, me, let me explain why. Yeah. The reason why is he had to have, in order for there to be love, in order for there to be a, a loving relationship, there had to be a choice. And Adam and Eve had, which makes sense, right? I mean, you can't force someone to love you. Sure. You've been in love with a girl that didn't love you back. You know, you understand what that's like. That, that, if there's not a choice there, then it's not love. So God had to put a choice. So he put a tree. He said, if you eat of this tree, it is, uh, it is going to be, it is going to mean there's going to be punishment. There's going to be something in between us. There's going to be this gulf in between us. If he hadn't have done that, we would just be a bunch of robots. We would just be a bunch of people who didn't have a freedom of so choice. So they had to eat the apple. If they ate the apple, it, it meant death. That's where death came into the world, which is the ultimate, I guess, suffering that you would see. Um, how does the, eating an apple, like, how, is that, um, how does that justify, not justify, understood. but how it's, does that lead to all the chaos now or something? It, it's the disobedience. If there's disobedience, God set it up. And God's God, so he can set it up any way that he wants to. But God set it up so that, look, if there's disobedience, there's going to bring death. Now, the, the great thing about this whole deal is that in our way of thinking, 
God also knew when he created man and gave them freedom of choice. This is where it gets deep. He knew that they were going to sin, and because they were going to sin, he would still have to provide a way for them to get out of their death predicament. So God and Jesus knew, and I believe Jesus was there in the beginning too, when God said, let us make man in our own image, it was that. That God knew from the very beginning that man was going to sin and that Jesus was going to have to come to die to pay for the sin so that we could eventually get to the place where we are in heaven. Now, if there was no choice in between, okay, now you could say, why didn't he just take us to heaven immediately? Well, obviously it's because it's overcrowded, okay? (laughs) The, The reason that... And the people that watch this that didn't see the Raymond clip are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> the, the reason that God had to set up this system this way was so that when we, when we get to heaven, when we get to the point, even when we get to the place where we are right now, he knows that we're in a relationship with him because we choose to be in a relationship with him. Does that, Not is that the same reason, like acts of God, like Hurricane Katrina, things like that, same I, reason? I, mm, I believe that what happened when sin entered the world was that Satan was allowed to enter into the world and to cause the problems that were going on, and that because of sin, we now live in an imperfect world where there is cancer, where there are tsunamis, where there are hurricanes. Does, are they acts of God? I don't know why the insurance companies cause, call them that, yeah. but they do. And um, could God cause a hurricane? Could God cause a tsunami? Could, you know, could God cause an earthquake in Southern California fall off the edge of the sea because there are all a bunch of pagans out there in Southern California? Absolutely, he could. Um, And absolutely, he did cause some of those things in the Old Testament as we read through those. But I don't believe that everything that happens in the world is the direct act of God saying, okay, it's time for Hurricane Katrina. I'm not trying to change the subject, but questions are just coming through. What do you think about those Christian leaders then that say, oh, well, Katrina happened because, you know, they're gay people in Louisiana, you know, all those explanations. Um, I, I think they're probably wonderful Christian people. But I disagree with I, I disagree with their method, even if I even if I totally believed it, which I don't. Even if I totally believed that God caused New Orleans to flood because it was somehow wicked, that it was the Sodom and Gomorrah punishment, I still would never want to say that out loud. Because what I really don't want people because you know, you look at the Bible and you say, okay, there are all these you know these, these there's these bad things that happen in the Bible. There are injustices that happen in the Bible. That's a bad deal. But if you look at the whole thing, if you read the whole thing, what you see is that God is love. And what I see is that a loving God is not somebody who I want to be tagged as the guy who sent a hurricane or sent a flood to judge New Orleans. What I want people to see is, what I want people to see is I want Christians to go to New Orleans and show people the love of Jesus so that people can understand what God is really like. So how come people aren't more vocal about stopping those leaders from saying that stuff? Well, it, you know, if we, if we lived in the old system where everybody was underneath the Catholic Church, you know, the universal church, then we could do that. But, I mean, I, I just... Well, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to be able to stop them, but I'm saying I don't see, unless you want to look at, you know... Um, people on my side or something like that, I don't really hear Christians coming out and saying, how could he say something like that? I don't hear that enough. And I think a lot of people are along the same mindset as you, where that's that's not why Katrina happened, but they're not saying that. They're they're letting people like, you know, Robertson speak for them, and I don't get that. I don't know how... How I, I don't know how I would say anything. I mean, if a reporter came to me and said, what's your opinion, I would give him my opinion. But I don't have a platform. I don't have a TV show. You know, uh, and there's no, you know, hierarchy that I, I can't sure. go to their boss and say, hey, would you make them shut up and quit saying dumb things? Mm-hmm. But there's another side to suffering um, that my wife alluded to earlier. 
that I don't think that people understand. Um, and I'm looking out at some of those people she was talking about right now. I'm looking out at the woman who's got brain cancer and has told me that n- this has brought her nothing but closer to God through this experience. And if you meet our uh, Lonnie Kehe, he's in wheelchair, he's paraplegic. Lonnie would tell you um, that suffering has been some, probably the thing. He looks back, he was in a car accident. He would say, you know what, I wouldn't trade what happened to me for anything in the world because what happened to me brought me closer to my relationship with God and it's made me have the ability to minister to other people and to love other people. And I, when, when Lonnie rolls into your hospital room, all of a sudden your problems kind of look small and Lonnie's, you know, right there for you. I'm not doubting that so much because I've heard that too, that people who have these tragedies, I mean, they do get closer um, to their, they get more faith and stuff like that. What about, you know, what about the babies? What about the, the people that, you know, we don't hear their stories, the people in the third world countries who are starving? Mm. I mean, they don't, maybe they don't know about God yet. Maybe they don't know about Christianity, but. It's a hard problem. It's, it's a difficult problem for, for, for Christians to deal with. I, I won't, I won't, it's a problem for me to deal with. Why would God allow starvation? Why would God allow you know, things to happen in other countries. The one thing that I know is that God is God. And if God is the person who created life, then God is in ultimate control. And what I don't know, I mean, you talk about babies. I mean, what I don't know sometimes is what was going to happen to that baby. I I mean, you have to understand in our religious system, babies are going to heaven if they die. I mean, until they get to a point where they're actually able to make their own decision, if a baby actually dies for whatever reason, they're going straight to heaven. That's that's an interesting point. Um, because so what you're saying is if people haven't had exposure mm-hmm. or haven't had the ability to think about Christianity or something, right. maybe they're spared. Or if they're older and they have maybe not exposure to Christianity, but they just you know they don't know about it, but they still are old enough to make take their own actions. What happens to them? Like, do they still have a chance to go to heaven according uh, to you? They there's a example for example in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 10, where there was a guy, his name was Cornelius. He was a God-fearing Jew that didn't have any idea about Jesus. And in visions, God appeared to him and told him he was going to send somebody to talk to him. And somebody was sent to talk to him. And, and I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is from that example and from the other things that I see, I believe that anybody that really wants to have a relationship with God and really wants to understand it, is going to be given everything they, 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 that they need. I even believe that even supernaturally there may be things that happen that we don't know. But Well, the reason I bring that up is just, if you're sending missionaries to other places, mm-hmm. isn't that now giving them a chance to like go to hell? Isn't that like a bad idea then to introduce them to this idea that they could reject? Um, no, because <laughs> of this. Um, in Romans, in Romans it, talks about, it talks about the people that will be judged. Uh, it says... In verse, chapter 1, verse 20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Okay, what, what he goes to say here is that there's this whole group of people out here who maybe didn't get the law, or they didn't get Jesus, or whatever. They didn't get the opportunity to do that. And they are, they are able to see from nature, from everything else, they are able to see that there is a God. And they will be judged according to how they respond to that. All right? But the Jews, then in chapter 2, he says they got the law. They got the opportunity to hear everything. And they still couldn't follow the law well enough. Mm -hmm. And so they are condemned. Which brings him over to chapter 3. 
where he says, okay, so there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. This is the Apostle Paul. He, then he gets down to verse 21 where he says, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. The, law, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ through all who believe. There's no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. When we take Jesus to other places, we give them the opportunity. Because here's the, here's the whole problem, okay? Nobody's perfect, right? Right. Honestly, at 23 and I'm at 44, I've sinned more than you. Okay. I'm pretty sure I have been. Um, I know myself and you seem like a good guy. I've sinned a lot in my life. There's no way that if I was going to, if I had the choice between being judged according to how good I was or being judged according to Jesus dying on the cross, I take the second one every time. I mean, I grew up in the church. I tried to be good. I'm a pretty decent person, Mm -hmm. but I know deep down in my heart that I'm not good enough. And what happens to all those other people out there in the world? God is the one that's going to judge. And the Bible tells us that God is going to judge fairly. Okay. The only time that God doesn't judge fairly is when I get somebody to pay the price for me. And that's his mercy. That's the grace that we were singing about just a moment ago. The reason that I preach about Jesus is because Jesus forgives all of those sins, and I get in on his card instead of mine. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, so tell us. What 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 do you think? Why do you think atheism? Well, what brought you to the point where um, you, you grew up in a Christian background? Why not Christian? Not well. I grew a up in a religious background. In a religious background. The religious background was Jainism. And for people who don't know about Jainism, I mean, the main tenets are nonviolence. I mean, we're vegetarians. Non-possessiveness, non-materialism. Um, all that stuff is good. I'm not complaining about any of that. But there is the supernatural aspect that there is a heaven, there is a hell. And a lot of that, I think, you could just try to figure out on your own. Um, what happened is when I was 14, for the first time, I just started thinking about that stuff because I think I just accepted it before. Okay. I'd never really thought about it. And when I finally started thinking about it, it just and I started reading about these things like, well, how do I know there's a heaven? How do I know, um, well, we believed in reincarnation. How do I know I get reincarnated? Um, and the answer was simply, oh, we don't. We take it on faith. Well. Okay, but but we don't know. So how come all these people are telling me this is what happens, this is what happens? Um, because, I mean, Bible aside, there's no Bible in Jainism. There's, okay. there's some holy text, but it's not the Bible. But it's like, okay, well, if this stuff, maybe this stuff said it, but how do they know? Um, and the more I thought about it, the more I figured, well, it just, it makes you feel good to know there's a God, to know that there's a heaven you could get to by acting in this way. Mm. So that would make sense. That's why people would believe in it. But it's not actually there. And that's the thought I started having. I mean, what if I take that away? Would I still be a good person? Well, sure I would. I'm not going to go out and, like, start killing people because that goes away. But, no, I could see why, you know, a lot of cultures would want to have that sort of story where, you know, if you're a good person and you follow these rules, then you're going to get to a better place. And even though this life might suck, well, the next, you know, the one in heaven is going to be a great one. Um, but it just seemed like a story then. Good. So that's why. Two questions then. Have you have you studied Christianity at all? I've read parts of the Bible, not all of it. Um, and I, I read up, I mean, I read articles on it. I read texts on <laughs> well, it. I've read a lot of books written by apologists, things like that. Okay. Um, because what you, what you described is what really ticks me off about Christians. 
it, and that's what I really try to impress upon our people here is don't go out and say, well, I don't know, well, I just believe it, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, absolutely, faith has, at the, at the very core of it, you've got to be able to step off and say, I don't have all the answers. There's no way you're going to prove it Right, all. I'm with you. And one of the things I was trying to do, I started that UIC group they mentioned, SWORD, um, and it was called Students for That Religious Dogma. We just, it has nothing to do with the SWORD. We just like the acronym. Yeah, yeah. But um, one of the things we tried to do there is not, I mean, the purpose was never to convert anybody. The purpose is let's have these type of discussions and if people come away with it with a stronger faith, mm. not that they came over to atheism, but that they left with a stronger faith, awesome. We just want people thinking about it. And I think one of the stereotypes you see about atheists is that we're just out to take God away from the public, that we just want to stop religion in right. its tracks. It's not true at all. Like, I've never met anybody that thinks like that. Um, the purpose is let's have people thinking about it because you see way too many people with blind faith, and mm. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't help. I, I understand. One more thing going back there. Yeah. Why, if you threw out your religious background, why wouldn't you kill people? Why wouldn't I? Because where, do your, where does your morality come from? The morality comes from just, if, we're ha- if we have to live in this society, I mean, how did these societies come about? If everyone was killing each other, there's no way we would survive. If everyone was stealing from each other, if everyone was doing bad things to each other. But isn't that Darwinianism? What about it? Isn't like, that survival of the fittest? I mean, if we... If we kill each if other? If we kill each other, if we do whatever... But then you spend all your time trying to kill everyone else instead of trying to help yourself, you know, get food, get help, get shelter. But if you're helping each other and working with each other, you have a better chance of survival. So yeah, it is Darwinianism, but it's in this different way. If you're working with each other, then you have a better chance of surviving. You get a better chance of, you know, having these offspring and, you know, surviving in that sense. But the whole point is, yeah, your morals are just, they're common sense. You don't need to be taught, don't kill someone. It's just innate that you're going to help people. I agree with you, but see, I think God gave us that. That what? Morality. And I'm saying I think you could have gotten it without. I think a lot of people, um, and I think an easy argument to make is, well, I was born in a religious family. That's where I got my morals from. Mm. And even though I might reject my religion, and a lot of Christians that I know rejected their religion, became atheists, well, maybe that's where they got their morals from. But I think if you, even if you take away God from the picture, I mean, the, the things you see happening in the world in, in terms of wars, in terms of horrible things, most of them are based on religion. And if you take that away, I mean, you don't see like, oh, this is a war caused by atheists. You don't see that. You see, no. you know, this is something that religion brought on because people were so convinced that, well, they blasphemed my Lord, I must kill them. That's a problem. I, I, you know? I disagree. I think that most wars are caused by people wanting more territory. They're wanting selfishness. You look at the Crusades. You look at a lot of the things that people have blamed as holy wars. Uh, a lot of times it was political. A lot of times it was about selfishness. But it's not always. And I, I'm with you. Yeah, sometimes it could be on this other stuff. But there are plenty of wars where they explicitly said, take 9-11 for example, just to say we're doing this in the name of God. Right. And yeah, I, there are certainly political aspects to that. Mm. But they specifically said, this is in the name of God. And yes, it's another religion. That's not Christianity. But I'm saying it's not that Christians are foolproof or, you know, that they didn't do any of that no, either. No, absolutely right. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think atheism itself causes you to be immoral. I think you could get the morals just by understanding society. If you want to work, if you want to have a surviving species, it's only going to happen by working together. And there have been a lot of research done that shows, you know, species, not humans, but species that you observe they start working together. And even though that goes against, you know, evolution, common sense, like, mm-hmm. well, you would think they would want to beat each other out. Mm-hmm. You see that they get further along if they start working with each other. 
So I think there is a reason, there is a way to get morals without religion. All right. Um, You're up. <laughs> um, so let me ask you this thing. Um, this is the first person that came in my mind, but someone like Mahatma Gandhi, obviously a good person. Is he going to heaven? Did he go to heaven? What do you think about that? I, I wouldn't, I, I don't, again, I would never put myself in the place of God. Obviously, one of the greatest human beings to ever live. But here's the bottom line, because I want to keep this moving. If God sent his son to the earth to die for the planet, and that son said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and nobody can come to the Father except through me, and somebody lives a really, really good, almost perfect life, but rejects that, but part, rejects of that part of it, what does God do? Hopefully, in my heart of hearts, somewhere along the way, at the very last moment, Gandhi said, you know what? Um, <laughs> I think that whole Jesus thing makes sense to me. But if he, he if he rejected God, then he is, if he rejected as God portrayed himself, he has rejected God for eternity. And hell for us, I mean, forget about all the symbolism, hell is separation from God. If you choose to be separated from God here, eternity is separation from God. This is the time we got. To, we and, have to choose. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons I don't think I could ascribe to Christianity, but because just of that thought that you could live this perfectly good life, but it has your actions mean really nothing. I mean, you could do horrible things, but if you accept Jesus, it's bizarre. It's completely how bizarre. Could, how could how could David Berkowitz, mass murderer, claim Christ and in, in the last moment and go to heaven? Right. And how could Mahatma Gandhi? live a really, really good life, and go to hell. Right. I, I didn't set up the system. Yeah, I know. But it's, that's why it, I can't believe in that sort of thing, because that makes no sense to but me. But think about it from God's perspective. If, you're, if, I'm a, if I'm a, I mean, I am a dad. If I'm a dad, and I send my child to die for this planet, and I've provided everything I possibly could, and every, every way for them to believe in that person, and that that person is the only way that they can get to me, and people say, oh, that's nice, God, but I'm going to go do my own thing over here. They've rejected my son, my daughter. They've rejected me. They've gone against everything. And, and, and the Bible just clearly said right here, Nobody's righteous. I mean, Gandhi didn't claim to be perfect. No. He didn't claim not. to have never <clears throat> committed any sins. As a matter of fact, I mean, you, you could use the illustration. It's an old one, but it works. If I committed one sin or one sin a day, you know, mm -hmm. three sins a day, I'll make it easy on the math. That's a thousand sins a year. Let's sure. just round it off, okay? So if I tell three lies a day, if yeah. I, you know, I mean, whatever, anything that I do that's outside the will of God, and I live to be 70 years old, that's 70,000 offenses that I've committed mm -hmm. against God. You could go to a judge with 70,000 traffic tickets, and he's not going to say, oh, it's okay. You are a pretty good guy. You never killed anybody. I mean, those offenses there has... And that this thing about God and His love is that God in His perfect love is also perfectly just. And in order for Him to be perfectly just, He has to set up a system. And the system has to work. But the system just makes no sense. It, it wouldn't if... <laughs> and I guess, yeah, I'm not God. I don't know what's going through God's head or it something. It makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a great deal of sense to me. Because I know that I can live my life in perfect peace right now. Because if I walk out there and get hit by a bus mm -hmm. trying to get out on stupid, you know, Wolf Road on the way out of here, and I get hit by a bus, that the fact that, you know, I committed sins this week, 
doesn't damn me to hell. It doesn't condemn me. The fact that I haven't lived a perfect life doesn't, doesn't take me away from the presence of God. And my job then, therefore, is to go out, and you go back to the missionaries, it's to go to you. It's to go to anybody that doesn't understand that and say, look, I understand this is some difficult stuff. Mm-hmm. I understand there are some questions. But I hope at some point along the way, you and God can have a conversation that you can actually study this and start finding out if there are really some proofs to the resurrection of Christ and proofs to the Bible being true and proofs to the prophecies because Christianity is very, very different than what you grew up in. There is a lot of stuff there Sure. to get to the point where someplace you're not only a good person, you're a saved person because those two things are not necessarily the same. My turn. Um, why do you think every culture's had a God? Hey, and just so you know, I don't know if we got room for everybody, but this will be so different every service. <laughs> if you you know, want to come back tomorrow, I guarantee you we're going to do some different stuff because uh, there are a lot of questions to talk about. Tell me, tell me. I mean, I know it's a basic question for atheists, but why do most cultures have a God? Let oh. me ask you a different question. Why, do, why does every culture have a different God? I mean, why do they have a God? Because you want that explanation. You want to believe that there's someone looking over you, watching out for you. You want to know there's a better life in store for you. I mean, why does all these older cultures, they were all based around water. I mean, they had to be in order to survive. So what do you expect to see in every one of their religious beliefs? You're going to see a flood story. It's not unique to Christianity. It's in all these religions. I mean, you see these same patterns over and over. And the reason is you want to believe in something. What if the flood really happened so everybody has the culture? But it's the not the same story. flood. Oh, but it, it, it is. It it's is. It's not the same flood story. Well, it's not in the same, it's in the same tradition. It's in their tradition that there was a massive flood. Yeah, but a massive flood in every single story that wipes out species and stuff? If it happened like the Bible said it did, it would have been every species in every culture. But, at every, but all these cultures are at different times, different places. Well, sure. So, I mean, Nobody I'm just saying, says. I mean, that's why, that's why I think they have these stories, because you want the explanation. And, yeah, I mean, so... I mean, so that if there's a flood, there had to have been some God to cause that flood to happen. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying, I don't, I think they could say that this flood happened in the past. And who is anyone to disagree with that? No, nobody. But, but take me back to the God thing. What... Why does every culture believe in a God? You think everybody has a God because they need a God? Is that what you're saying? They want one. Because they want They one. want to believe in it. And if you want to believe in something, you can convince yourself that it's true. And, yeah, some, every, I think... Every, I mean, every culture? Most cultures, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one God, many gods, I mean... But even the polytheistic cultures usually go back to monotheism somewhere along the way. When you go back far enough, they started but out with a same God. Same principle, though. Same principle. I mean, they, they want a God. And they'll, I mean, do you believe in, like, the Greek why would, gods? Why, why would you want a God? What is that? Why would you want a God? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm curious. Why, I don't, I don't, because I don't want a God. But isn't I mean, that, if I'm out there, if I'm out there having my own little thing and, and I want to do life my own way, I mean, it seems like God is restrictive. If you're... If your people are dying off, if they're having diseases, if they're going through all this bad stuff, you want to believe that that's not the end of the line, that there's something better in store for them. So this story that, you know what, it's okay if you're suffering now because you're going somewhere better, how hard is, I mean, that's hard to reject. It's true. That's why. Especially if it's true. Yeah, I mean, if it happened, and, you know, even in the past, even in the past, I mean, we have ways of preventing some of the diseases now. We have, we have different problems now than the ones they had before. 
but the same idea is there. You know, you want to believe, like, you know, and people also didn't have explanations. If you look at Greek mythology, well, how do we, where did fire come from? Well, right. a god right. did it. You right. know, where did this yeah. come from? Well, yeah, a god no, you're did right. it. It's easy to blame stuff on And that. the more advanced we get, the more we actually have natural explanations for this stuff. Okay, we don't need gods for that stuff. Where did the universe come from? I don't know. Let's come up with a god for that. It just seems like it makes sense that way. Okay. I agree with that. I mean, that's, that's again, why I come back to uh, Judaism into Christianity and God and revealing himself and all. I mean, you're right. They all did have different gods because God chose to reveal himself through Abraham into one place to show, I mean, again, this yeah. is our take, okay? Yeah. But through Abraham into one place to take it to the place where there was one race of people that brought everything through and he revealed himself to them and then they were supposed to go out and take it to everyone else. And then when Jesus came, he was, as he said, the revelation of God. He was, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and Jesus came again, you know. But that's also not like, that's not what Hindus believe. No, that's, of course not. Right? So it's... Which, which, again, is why we would go to a Hindu country and try to help them to understand that this is who we believe God really mm-hmm. is, that, that he's not just a, a divine spirit, that he actually is, a, 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 there is a person of God. Why is it easy, like, do you believe in the Hindu gods? I assume no. No, no. What, why do you disbelieve those? Because you believe the Christian God? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things I've come across, I, you're not asking me the question, but I've come across it a lot, um, how can you disprove God? And the question, like, the thing I want to know is, well, if you don't believe in that God and you don't believe in the Greek gods of, you know, past, I mean, how come, what evidence do you need to disbelieve in them? It seems like you don't need any. You know, you just, well, I don't believe that. That's a crazy story. I have my God. And it seems easy, like, and one of the things I've heard is like, well, I'm an atheist. I mean, out of all the millions of gods that have existed, I don't believe in any of them. You just believe in one. So we're really only one God apart from both being atheists. <laughs> and that's true. It's, I don't know how it's so easy to dismiss all these other cultures' gods. And then when I say, well, yeah, I dismiss those too. I also disbelieve in your God. Why that's such a bad thing all of a sudden? Now it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, you just disbelieved in my God. That's a problem. But yeah, yeah I'm with you. All those other people were crazy. It isn't for a lot of other religions. For a lot of other religions, it's not a big deal if you disbelieve their God. For most of them, it's a little bit of a deal, but, uh, you know, there's, I mean, Baha'i, I mean, there are a lot of religions where, sure. you know, it's, I believe whatever God you want, it doesn't matter, okay? Uh, again, I'm going to come back to the fact that I can't believe in my God and believe in other gods. Because sure. this God, yeah. who has proven himself to me, who has proven himself to me personally, who has proven himself to me through archaeology, through history, through his word, that I believe in, said, I'm the God, I'm the Lord, your God. You won't have any other gods before me. There's no possible way for me as a Christian or actually a Jew in that matter to believe in my monotheistic system and to believe in other gods. I just like it just seems like people are so easy to dismiss the other ones though. Because you look at your stuff and you have all the reason in the world to believe in what you're believing, but then everyone else just becomes irrelevant. And how come it doesn't work? You know, and if you know someone from another religion said, well, I believe in my God, but I don't believe in your God, all of a sudden that becomes an issue, it seems. Of course. Well, yeah, it becomes because an issue, but why if, is... If there is, a, if there is a God that's yeah. right... Then all the other ones are wrong. Then all the other ones have to be wrong. But everyone believes their God is right. Of course, of course they yeah. do. I don't know where I'm going with that. Oh, I, I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> It's, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. 
if if God, if anybody's God is right, everybody else's God has to be wrong. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is, I have looked at the other gods. I have studied the other religious systems. I have seen what everybody else believed. I have studied atheism to a certain degree and the whole idea of not having a God. And I've brought myself back to the point which where is I believe great that, this that one's you wrong. believe that this one's right. right. And that's awesome. And if this is if this is right, then, you know, going back to it, my job is not only just to say, hey, look at me, I'm right. Okay. Yeah. And that was the whole point of doing this. Yeah was not to say, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. It's how can we talk this whole thing through? How can we make these things happen? How can, how can we better represent our God to the people out there in the world? Now, we have to believe that our God is right, because I do. We have to believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, because he said so. And if we don't believe that, then he's a liar and he's a lousy savior. Okay? But at the same time, we don't need to walk around, you know, hey, look at us. We got the right God. Everybody else has got the wrong God or everybody else doesn't have a God. Somewhere along the way, I believe that Jesus came to personify the ability of God to be truth mm-hmm. and loving at the same time. And I think, I think one of the benefits of Christianity is that the people have now, I think, I don't know how long now, but they've done a better job of like, here's we're looking for proof for this stuff. No, I think they've looked at that stuff a lot better than other people have. <laughs> That's with the backpack. I think. Um, yeah, I'm probably doing You're something wrong. On it or something. All right, I'll move up. Um, I think they've done a better job of looking at the quote-unquote evidence for it than other religions have in my experience. Mm. But um, I don't know. Just. But it's still uncomfortable to come down to one being right yeah. and everybody else being yeah. wrong. And I understand that. All right. It's uncomfortable for me. Uh, I mean, I like being right. No, don't, don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, but it, it is a weird place. It is a weird place to be. It would be great to be able to say, you know what, everybody's good. And maybe they are. You know, I, I still hold out hope. That everyone's right? That everybody is right. Sure. That, that God is, you know, there, there might be, we all might get to heaven and God might have said, you know what? You guys, you guys twisted some stuff around in there, and that wasn't a deal. Yeah. Everybody's coming to heaven, like the little girl said in rain. And there's a great Family Guy episode where they all they look at heaven, and you know it's like Krishna is there, like, hey, thank you, Christ, and he's like, man, no one ever gives me credit or something like that. <laughs> um, I, I I wish that I could believe that were true, but I would be going against everything that I'm believing sure. in here. And here's the bottom line of what um, I still believe that. And wow, we didn't talk about half of this stuff, so. Tomorrow will be completely different. This Can I bring great. up one more question? Yes, go ahead. Um, just to throw in a social issue or something, what okay. do you think about the under God stuff? The pledge case or something oh, like under, that? Oh, I, I thought under God. Who's an under God? <laughs> um, is that a new superhero? <laughs> um, it's a movie coming out next week. Uh, yeah, simple question, simple answer. Uh, it, it, honestly, that's not a big issue for me. I believe that this country was set up with a, a Christian standard and a Christ, under Christian morals. And if the country was set up that way, it, to me, the, the country ought to have a say-so in anything that changes from the way our founding fathers do it. Okay, my problem... But the founding fathers, I mean, they don't believe in the same type of Christianity that you do. Most of them were deists that say... Oh, okay. you're generalizing. A lot of them were Christians. A lot oh, of them. But were they believers. made it a point to say to separate this stuff. But I mean, no, right. Jefferson said we should keep it separate. But, you know, oh, man, I don't have time for this. Right. You know why Jefferson did that? It was because and, and it wasn't in the Constitution that there was a separation of church and state. It never and it's not in the Constitution. Well, he there's did an establishment that. clause 
it's there's the, the, the whole establishment. Like, and I get shut off. Yeah, you get shut the, off. Um, no, the establishment clause, the no political. No person. one church. No one church. No that's, political that's test for one office. church. They set that whole freedom thing up. But you want to look through the, the material from the founding fathers about what they believed. And the reason that we have all these plaques on the monuments and all these things that, that, that our founding fathers and Abraham Lincoln and everyone else believed, they believed in this stuff. Well, they also believed in, like, slavery. But it doesn't mean we Ab- keep it. Absolutely. No. So the, the, the group of people, if, if America at some point, I guess this is my problem, if America at some point has this big vote and says, okay, everybody, we're going to vote on whether we want under, one nation under God in our Pledge of Allegiance, and we vote it down, then that's fine with me. What, what our problem is usually is that some judge that somebody appointed somewhere says, you know, we're not doing this anymore. I think the issue I have with it is that, you know, people, like, there was this whole thing, all this stuff that happened in the 50s, like putting in God we trust on the money, putting under God in the pledge, having the National Day of Prayer, it all happened within this small, like, four-year span. Is that and, right? Yeah, and before it, like, it wasn't on the money, it wasn't in the pledge. We stuck it in there, and I think a lot it's of people... It's been on the money for a long time. Since 52 or 56, I believe, one or the other. But the whole point is, like, before that, it wasn't in there. But I get this impression every time I see, you know, that I talk to people, religious people about it, they seem to believe it's been on the money oh, they, since, you know, the it, country it was founded. Them's fighting words when you go to, you know, yeah, some that under God places. was originally Don't in the pledge. This, you know what? Here's what I think. I think... Uh, um, Leave the Ten Commandments up, take the Ten, Ten Commandments down. I don't really care. Do the Ten Commandments, and I'll be happy. Okay? Hey, I'm with you I mean, on the, that. The, the law is built on the Ten Commandments, and let's make, you know, it's not a big issue for it me. It just seems like those political it's a issues, political it seems more of that than actual Christianity. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason, like, I wish what you're saying was the norm. And I don't see that as the case. And I think a lot of times when you see atheists commenting on that stuff, or when you hear about, you know, oh, there's an atheist trying to take under God out. I mean, they seem to think it's because, oh, well, we don't want religion in there at all. Well, no, I'm not asking to change the pledge to one nation under no God. I'm just saying don't include it in there. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of atheists feel. But it seems like religious people just kind of pigeonhole us into this stereotype of they hate God. Well, no, we're just saying, let us have our religion, let our, our belief system mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. let us have that. And you can have yours, but let's not force one or the other on anyone. Gotcha. All right, we better quit. Okay. Um, <laughs> bottom line is, I'm really glad that you did this, and we're going to do this again tomorrow, and cool. we'll see how it all goes. At the core of this whole thing is, this is a church here who does believe this. Absolutely. And also cares about you. And for me, and I know you've heard this before, but I'll say it anyway for their sake, I feel like you and I probably are both trying to live good moral lives. We're both trying to help the world. We're both trying to make things better. Um, I like doing it my way because I know that if I'm right and you're wrong, then I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're right and I'm wrong, I'm still okay. Yeah. And... And that's the that's the real issue. And I don't say that. Don't don't clap. I, I don't say that to get in your face. I say that because we really, as a church, care about you and we care mm-hmm. about everybody out there. And that is one of the things tomorrow, if we get a chance to talk about that whole idea of like, well, you know, if if you're right, then I should be okay by just praying. But if if I'm right, then you're okay either way. That I want to talk about. Okay, that. we will. We will. Um, can you thank Hemet for me? And, uh, <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Thanks. 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 <laughs>